You are listening to the Hello Sport Podcast. Punish Dribblers, we're talking to the one and only Ryan Girdler this week. We obviously uh, petitioned to have him removed from the peninsula. We were successful. We'll hear more about that in the podcast. We are talking to the one and only Ryan Girdler. By the time you're hearing this, if you haven't heard on SEN already, then the grand final will have already happened. We also interviewed him in advance of Penrith making the grand final, so we don't talk about that. But he's an interesting cat, Ryan Gerdler. He is. He's a very interesting guy. Uh, I enjoyed this yarn, Tom. I've got to tell you, the man is not who I expected. He's an interesting cat. He's not your quintessential, big word from me, uh, (laughs) former rugby league player. Obviously, he was the funny man before funny men were funny men. He was their house under the footy show, the halcyon days. Again, not a word I'm entirely sure of, but I have heard it used. I'm pretty sure I'm using it correctly. The halcyon days. I think you are, Tom. Of the footy show um, into, you know, post-career where he sort of didn't watch the game for fucking years. Then back commentating. He's now, you know, living in the bush, essentially. Look, he's living up north, but I. Um, it was good to pick his brain on a couple of different topics, Tom. It wasn't just football, this chat. No, That's no, for no. damn sure. No. Not just footy, but we sort of... It was good to get an apology out of him as well, I think. That was nice. Let's get into it. Ryan Girdler. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm well, boys. I'm really well. How are you guys? Not too bad. Thank you very much for doing this. All right. Very yeah, much no, appreciated. Pleasure, pleasure. Yeah, yeah. No problem at all. It's always nice to have a chat and... Do something a little bit um, left to centre. Yeah, exactly. Well, so this is Eddie, who you haven't properly met here, but Eddie's the other half of the podcast. G'day, mate. Nice to meet you. G'day, Ed. Nice to meet you, buddy. How do you guys know each other? Mate, we went to school together. We're in different years, but we became good chums at university. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's where the friendship blossomed, and uh, that's where the idea for the podcast was birthed. Took about another... Five years. Five years to get it cracking, but... We got there yeah. in the end. We got there. What were, what were you studying? What did you boys study at uni? I was doing advertising. Tom was doing radio. Basically radio sales, okay. essentially. Yeah, radio sales. And they were teaching us about the future of audio. And it was it was not podcasting. So everything I learned at university, largely obsolete at this point. Yeah. yeah that's look, right. I think that's the case. I think that's a lot of the case in a lot of different fields these mm-hmm. days, right? And they yeah. come out and they think, well, what we covered, you know, with the nature of progress around technology and all those sorts of things, mm. things move and, and it seems a bit archaic, a little bit like the, the whole education system at the moment. It seems like it's sort of caught in the dark ages and really not that relative, right? It's kind of weird, eh? Like there's so many sec- like facets of society that we're, that we focus on like updating and we're stuck in the past and, you know, whether it just be around like even just perceptions people have about other people or things, everything is about trying to progress, but there are certain things like education where it really yeah, is stuck in such important. an old, old model. And it doesn't even look yeah. like many people are trying to change it or talking about changing it. Yeah, no, there's a, um, it's funny, like, I mean, especially when you talk about, you know, university and so forth. I mean, essentially, university is now just a business, right? It's mm-hmm. not about your marks. And if you can get in there because of, you know, the amount of people trying to get into a certain specific subject, it's actually about can you afford to come and if you can we're a business we're going to take your money and there's different ways that they allow and you know people just to you know do post um uh, like their school learning where they can get qualifications and they can actually if with the right funding can bump people out that have come through the system with a better mark because they've got the money to do it you know so it's you learn a lot about um 
the education system when you sort of take your kids out of the system and, and do different things with them about, you know, the first questions you ask would be, um, how's my kids, if my kids want to do something that's going to require an education through university, how do they do that? That's obviously the first question you ask when you pull your kids out of the system and so, it's, it, it just opens your mind, right? So you talk about taking your kids out of the system. What exactly has that looked like for you? Yeah, well, we, um, my wife's German, so we had them in the, the German system. They're bilingual, so their main language they sort of speak with mum around the house is, is German. And um, so we, we thought it was really important that, you know, they got a bilingual education. So there's, when we lived in Sydney, there's a, um, a German school at Terry Hills, uh, which was good for a couple of different things. It connected my wife with local, you know, community and so forth and made, you know, not being away from home such a, a, an enormous task. Uh, and also, yeah, they had the kids then had the opportunity to do math and German and a lot of the main subjects in their their second or their mother tongue, depending on which way you look at it. So um, for us, that was that was a, a, a decision that was quite easy. So uh, we put them through that system for they both went there until like last year, and then uh, with the chaos of and the, and the, you know the changes that we saw are different elements throughout the whole world and society we decided it was time just to get them out of the system and try something a little bit different so was that like getting them out of the system and i guess the whole like COVID effect did that completely change was the, your experience of code did that completely change a lot of the way you look at the world generally yeah yeah i think well we were really affected by it because we're in hospitality essentially right mm. so so ed i've got you know um we've got hospitality venues all through the northern beaches and had them for like the uh, best part of 18 years so yeah we had you know we were closed down on four different occasions and um, we, we had a really healthy sort of business model and 85 to 90 staff members at one point and then all of a sudden you know the rug was pulled out from underneath us and we had to basically you know rebuild and um and rethink about you know what we wanted to do and if we had an appetite to go through what we'd already done again on the back of you know, decisions that were made by government that actually had, you know, no bearing on the way that we operated the business and we were penalised for, um, especially, you know, financially um, for no fault of our own through no bad decisions. So it was kind of really hard to digest that after what we'd built for such a long period of time and what we'd put into it. So, yeah, we needed some clear air and just needed to, um, yeah, recalibrate. That was sort of... Well, the way that we were affected was, you know, obviously through that part of our lives and yeah. then through education with the kids. I mean, the, the German system that they were in, um, I believe they just sort of went over and above um, what was needed during that period. Um, and so we wanted to get them out of that. Plus, plus also they, um, you know, they, they pushed the kids really hard to the point where, you know, to get funding off the government, off the German government and the, uh, Australian government, they had to follow the two curriculums and they had to keep time. So they had, you know, kids at a really young age and I believed and my wife believed that they pushed them really hard so that they would get the funding, um, but it not, wasn't necessarily in the best interest of the kids. So for us, it was just time to take try a different method, take a different path. And that new path has seen you move up to the, uh, what, the Noosa hinterland. And, I mean, you'll have us believe that it's because you just, you know, covid but I've got it on good authority that you were kicked out of the peninsula for all the fucking manly hate you've been seeing. 
<laughs> flat track bullies yeah, and, and the like. Have you uh, no. have you got any? We'd like you to answer to some of the comments you've made about the seagulls over the years because we certainly get pounded by it. Well, okay. over the, when was flat well, track bullies since, last year? Since about this time last year is when it started to eat, leak its way into the the population. Yeah, the conversation, the conversation, and the blowback for Tom and I as sort of the face of the club <laughs> has been. Uh, tremendous yeah. trying times for Tom and I. Okay. And we just want. I think we're looking for an apology. Hey, Ed, are you a, are you a Manly fan as well? Yeah, you better believe it, mate. You are okay. Yeah. Are you on the peninsula or are you? Oh, I'm no longer on the peninsula. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Mm. I um, um, but just just to give you a sense of how important we are for the club, we are attending the Black Tie Gala Awards dinner on Monday night, yeah. where the guests of honour. Oh, so just I thought I'd clear that up. Please. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, you'll, you'll really enjoy that. It's been a great season for the, uh, for the boys. They'd be on a real high right about now. <laughs> going into finals week. <laughs> um, look, no, no, you know, I, I love the area. Um, you know, I lived there for God, almost over 20 years. Um, and a lot of the boys, you know, would come into the stores and had built some really good relationships with them. And, yeah, we, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I guess those comments were just based around, you know, me, kind of doing my job and, and you know, you ask Tom, you know, you go in there and you kind of got to say what you think. And I've made a bit of a habit of doing that sometimes. And it's not always in the best interest of my personal life or, um, or the business sense. You know, we had, there was, um, there was Facebook movements around, you know, boycotting girdlers stores and so forth. Was there really? So much. Yeah. We got so much pushback on the, we had like, you know, core senior group meetings about how we're going to handle the fallout. And it was, <laughs> It was pretty heavy, yeah. Like, did you, know, you really? That's wild. Pretty, yeah. People take their sport pretty seriously. You know, I didn't get waves for a couple of weeks. You know, I was bullied <laughs> in the water. It was a bit nuts. <laughs> but you know, you got to just, you know, it's part of the job. Yeah, guys. So, um, we didn't start any yeah, of those was, Facebook groups. It wasn't that much fun. We, yeah. we promised we didn't start any of those movements or try yeah, and get you kicked out of the kicked out of the beaches. We were calling you. Yeah, we yeah. were calling you the the Trojan horse of the peninsula. You come in under the auspices of just trying to give people coffee, and then once we let you in, you just shit all over us. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. as someone who I looked up a, to uh, greatly, you know, it was it was quite a kick to the teeth. <laughs> yeah, like it wasn't it, it it wasn't something that was. Um, I mean, I, I remember I was just sort of coming in that morning and I worked with Tony Squires on, on the Saturday show there and I was having a – and Tony was talking about how good Manly were and, I, you know, they had a run of, of games against, you know, not so quality opposition and we're about to sort of launch into the into the finals and we were, I think we were one week out or they might have got – they might have won their first semi and had a – I believe they had a bit of a rails run into that prelim final against South Sydney and – um, yeah, I just think over the last couple of years, Manly just haven't um, they they just haven't been able to really compete um, against the better sides. And I, I went through the details of, of why I felt that last year is basically around like their middle and so forth. They just just didn't think they had the intensity and and what was needed to compete against the Melbournes and the Penriths and so forth. And and I guess somehow that sort of got proved right when they came up in the South and they kind of got blown away in that prelim. And that was a game where I was kind of watching you bait a breath. I was thinking, oh, gee, if they win, it's going to be the longest couple of weeks of my life. But, uh, <laughs> when, thankfully, you, thankfully when, they didn't. When you say, like, because when you say something like that and then you see it blow up in the media and not like it was, I mean, it wasn't crazy, but, you know, like you, get, you were getting quoted everywhere, much more so than maybe just a regular week from the Saturday NRL show. Do you take? Are you a bit like? 
I don't know, wigged out? Or are you like, ah, oh, shit, here we go? Or are you just sort of like, it's it's par for the course, it is what it is? Yeah, I, usually it's it's kind of par for the course. I mean, you know, essentially I was off contract at the time too. And, you know, it, that's the, it's a funny world in which, you know, we play and things like that are, are, are good for the network. They're good for, you know, um, that show and they, they bring publicity and um, to what we're trying to do. And, um, and, and also, you know, it's good when it's not fabricated, you know, we don't go looking for headlines, but when they generally sincerely just come on the back of, you know, what your opinion is, which is what we're paid to give, well, then it even makes more sense in the fact that it, 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 it was sort of, you know, to some degree um, validated at some point, just kind of made it all a little bit easier to handle. But, I, you know, I'm not a big guy on social media, but there's a lot of uh, interaction around what, you know, what we do these days and direct to us. So you need to be kind of like the players, I guess you need to be um, ready for what comes your way. I've got a lot of really good friends in the area that are diehard Manly fans. And honestly, they, you know, they weren't talking to me for a while. They took it really personally. Um, honestly, I've got, and they're still talking about it today and every chance they get, you know, they'll send me a message or they'll try and they, they honestly, they haven't, um, they haven't forgiven me for that. I'll take that to the grave. And, and I kind of find, I have to say, I find that a little bit amusing. We kind of need to, it's a sport at the end of the day, boys. Yeah. We kind of need to move along, but I'm glad people are passionate about it. You know, that's what makes our job so much better when we can um, affect people in a some sort of emotional way, right? Yeah, that's yeah, right. Sure. How considered are you with your opinions when, you know, there can be this sort of backlash mm-hmm. or you're never really sure how seriously your comments will be interpreted? You don't, and you don't always, you know, a lot of time to think about it. Like, especially, um, you know, when they're discussion based and it's all live, and you know, sometimes you spend you know, six hours on air and everything you say, obviously, once it's gone, it's gone, and we don't have an opportunity like you boys to sit back and go through it and edit it and whatnot. You know, so you got to, it's exhausting. You know, so you got to make sure that you, you know, you, you're willing to stand by whatever it is that comes out of your mouth during that period. So. Um, so, you know, you need to make sure that, um, you are really clear headed because you can get yourself in a fair bit of, of trouble and not so much trouble, but it can just basically be, it can be time consuming dealing with the fallout of some of the things and especially around relationships, you know, and coaches, and you've got to be honest and upfront about, um, and, and willing to say what you actually think. And you've got relationships with a lot of people in the game as well. And, I find it, you know, that it's best if you just can't take that into consideration, you know, because if you start looking after people, you start running agendas. Um, I think then it's really, it's really easy to fall on your sword, you know, because I think you just need to be balanced across, you know, all your opinions, regardless of, like Freddie's a good mate of mine at Origin time, you know, and a lot of good mates of mine and Fitzy and that are coaches and so forth. So if you're going to have, an, if you're going to say something about a coach that you know you don't have a good relationship with well, then you need to be willing to say it against someone that you do have a good relationship with. And I think if you take, I always take sort of that attitude in. And if I find, you know, I'm, I'm um, sort of, you know, aligned with those beliefs, well, then you know, what can you do? You just got to, you're paid to give your opinion. So you've just got to lay it out there. Now, uh, we will, you know, get to a bit of like some more footy-ish questions or career sort of questions, but I wanted to touch on like you've always been someone from the moment I first met you where it was like you don't seem like maybe what what my preconception of like a former NRL player would be and this is no disrespect to any former NRL players listening but you're very well spoken I don't know you just you're intelligent and I'm not trying to (laughs) blanket all of them but (laughs) you're uh 
you know, you've got you, successful. Let me get my wife. <laughs> show. She'd love, I'd love it to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll clip it up for you. Yeah, I'll yeah, clip yeah. it up Thank for you man. and I'll send it through. Yeah. But, you know, you've got a right. successful business um, and then now you've fled the peninsula to the to the hinterland and you've sort of got a bit of a new agey lifestyle. <laughs> to whatever end you're prepared to share with us what that looks like, I'd, I'd be yeah. very interested to hear a bit more about it. Okay. Um well, I think, um, yeah, I, I agree, mate. Like I've never, um, how do you put it? Like I've always had other interests outside of rugby league. You know, I've I've, uh, I've never been a guy that sort of watched when I was playing. I felt like I needed balance, you know, and I needed to make sure I was still surfing or make sure I wasn't just 24-7 rugby league. And I think some people are up front and they need that and they benefit from that. And I actually think that I probably could have watched a little bit more of it now that I'm, an analyst, I realised how probably important it was to to probably watch. Uh, I would watch the big games, and if I wasn't involved in Origin and stuff and and finals, I would watch them. Um, but and if it was a good Friday night game or the match of the round or whatever, I would have a look at it. But I didn't really probably understand when I was playing the benefits of of watching a lot a lot of footy. I, I sort of what because I watch so much of it now. Um, that I think, oh, gee, I think I actually could have been a better player if I if I would have watched a little bit more of it. But I believed at the time that you know I was watching you go in on Monday and Tuesday. You're watching video and you're just surrounded by you know the game. And and one of the most difficult things I struggled with when during my career was <clears throat> you lose a perspective of what's going on on the outside because essentially you're the topic. So you know everyone that you speak to just in day-to-day life, want to speak to you about you because you're of interest. It's like, you know, how's you going? How's the team? How's your form? Blah, 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 blah. So you get caught up in at times thinking that, you know, you're really just the only one in existence walking around and you and you really don't know what's going on around you. So I think it was, it was really clear for me that I needed to make sure that I kind of was, uh, I had what the game was in perspective and I did some other things and I communicated with people in the outside world and kept some sort of balance because it is really easy to get caught up in yourself because everyone else is kind of caught up in in what you're doing. So even family in that at times are like, you know. Um, so, yeah, for, for me it was just important to to find that balance and make sure that I, I understood that, you know, the, the sun comes up the next day and uh, fortunately we didn't have social media so... I wasn't, you didn't really have direct contacts with fans, but every time you'd go to the service station or the news agents or you go for a beer or you go out for dinner or whatever, people are just in your face talking to you about you, know, you and your career or the game or so forth. So I, I didn't handle that so well. So I, I had times where I didn't, you know, didn't go out and that a lot and I would just sort of, you know, internally just keep to myself and, and that was kind of one way I balanced it out at times. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to try and, and keep perspective. So that was one of the things that I, um, I valued. And then when I retired, um, you know, I, I, my parents had always run small business. So it was kind of like, okay, what am I going to do? I had opportunities in the media, but I felt like um, I needed to, to, to do something else. I wasn't ready to, you know, 30 three to retire from the game and then even though you know it, it was opportunity there but I just didn't want to suck off the boob and fair the, the rugby league for my whole life I wanted to go out there and get some more perspective on you know time fine money you're you know you're a 20 year old kid and you're getting paid shitloads of money you know so you know what is it like to earn money how does that feel you know the, am I then going to be a little bit more 
cautious with the way that, you know, I spend money and so forth because you get some really bad habits, right? So for me, that was all important. And, and my wife was from, from overseas and I never really settled down uh, when I was playing because I only ever really was good at one thing at a time, I thought, and I needed to sort of focus on what I was doing. So, um, yeah, we met at the, you know, the end of my career and she was from overseas. So I was able just to, as soon as I retired, just drop everything I was doing here and go and live in Germany for like, you know, six months of the year, which was just, you know, a real eye opener. Be able to just walk around anonymously, you know, going through and living life just like a, almost like a backpacker in the middle of Munich, you know, it was wild for me. So that was really good. And then uh, when I came back, I, I needed to, you know, do something so that's when I, I bought the cafes and started building the business and and yeah and it wasn't until like 2012 until um you know triple m came sort of knocking and said mate you've been out of the game for a while would you be interested in doing some uh, analysis and so forth and and then I, I didn't to be honest i didn't watch a lot of the game when i wasn't playing it because i was um i just needed a bit of a break from it i was, t- I was telling tommy the other day you know you asked me about games from like 2005 to 2011 and I couldn't tell you too much about that 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 part of the um, NRL era, to be honest, because you know I was doing other things. Well, you were saying even you were like I came back to the game and I was like, Jesus, Joey's an immortal. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, missed all this yeah, amazing. Well, um, I, I missed all that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I missed it. I missed a lot of those um, those moments for those guys that had and and um, you know who who dominated through that era obviously joey and those guys that dominated for all that period of time you know i really missed it so um which was great you know because it, it made me realize when i came back to uh, the game in 2012 i was ready to to get involved in it again i was passionate about it again because i think some stage or you know personally speaking i lost that desire and that passion to be around the game because i just kind of felt like there was more to life so at that point i was ready to come back and now i've been you know, broadcasting for just on over 10 years. So, yeah, that's how it's Flying. Sort of rolled out. What took, you, what took you up to the peninsula? Uh, what took you out of the peninsula, rather, and up to, up to the Noosa hinterland? Um, we wanted to get um, – my wife and I felt like we wanted to sort of get a little bit of land. Like, we lived in a nice part of the beaches, um, and we had, a, like, a, a, like, a nature reserve next to us. And um, the, the kids have always sort of wanted to have animals and we've always wanted to, we sort of grown our own food and stuff. So we sort of wanted to step that up a little bit more, get a little bit more land um, and do that in an area where there's, you know, waves, there's, there's education. I think when your kids get to a certain age and you're, you know, you're going to move from one area that you're pretty settled into another, you know, education and those decisions around, their development's pretty pretty important, so we need to make sure we ticked all those boxes. Um, and yeah, the climate, you know, like it's it's an amazing, it's been pretty wet, but it's amazing up here. You guys have probably been up here, so mm-hmm. you know. And and most importantly, there's no Queenslanders here. Everyone I meet from Melbourne or Sydney. So <laughs> yeah, yeah well, that's perfect because nice. it would yeah. be a concern of mine moving to Queensland. Yes, yeah. you know, how separate can I keep them from me? Noose is a place to do it. That's though. the place Noose to do it. You've absolutely nailed it. So can you can you give us an insight into uh, some of the medicinal experiences that you have uh, engaged in to maybe alter your 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 state of consciousness or your mind, Gerds? Because I'm interested. <laughs> but yeah, I, sure. you know. Well, look, um, look, I think, um, and I, I mean, the, the, what we 
seen over the last couple of weeks with the Port Green situation and so forth. I think that, um, you know, when you transition out from professional sport, um, you go from, you know, being with a lot of guys, having a, a really sort of strict regime and having everything sort of done for you, you know, bills paid for you, you get a sheet at the start of the week and it tells you where you need to be and what time you need to be there and what you need to wear and how you need to behave and all these sorts of things. So you become, it becomes pretty regimented, yeah, and you, you really... You know, and if that's a big part of your life for a long period of time and then all of a sudden that stops happening and you're just there and it's like you wake up and you're not told what to do and how you're going to do it, what you're going to wear when you do what even you don't know what you're going to do. So it's like, well, how do I get some routine in that into my life? So, um, and I think that's really important for that transitional phase because we all get lost, you know. In, in, I didn't have family and kids and so forth that kind of give you a little bit of structure. I was just kind of like waking up going, shit, okay, there's no waves. <laughs> what am I going to do, honestly? Like, yeah. what am I going to do? Yeah, it was crazy. It was really weird, you know. So, um, and financially, you know, you can do that for a certain amount of time, but you also need to, you know, you need to find a purpose and it's really important that, you know, you, when you go from such an intense um, career, it's not like you just, you know, you're giving up being, no offence to school teachers, but a school teacher and whatever, you're giving up professional sport, which is a full-on sort of, you know, going running out in front of 60, 70,000 people and having these highs and lows and how do you replace that? Well, you can't replace that. So then you need to start getting yourself ready to transition into something that, you know, is going to give you a little bit of purpose and something that, you know, you're passionate about or something you can make a difference with and they're not easy things to find. I think you kind of go through this transition of, well, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this and you try all these different things and then I, I was lucky I sort of found what I, my niche or what I wanted to do, what I was passionate about and was able to sort of dive into that. But for me it was um, also you, you sort of internally need to sort of look at how you are and the scars of, you know, that you've come out with or the trauma or whatever it may be and fix yourself up and then sort of move forward. So I was able to um, do that through a lot of different things. But, yeah, I went down the, um, the path of some additional um, um, ceremonies um, over the years and a lot of meditation, a lot of different things like that, looking sort of outside of generally things that a lot of guys would do to try and heal certain parts of, um, you know, whatever it is that they need to heal. Um, and I get it I, to this day, you know, I, I meditate twice a day and it gives me a really clear head and keeps me really focused. And um, I eat really well, eat a lot of organics, mainly only organics. We grow a lot of our own food. And if we eat meats and stuff, they're, you know, they're the highest quality and so forth. And that's the way I've sort of chosen to raise, live and raise my family. So, um, but yeah, my, my business partner's um, Colombian and his wife's hold ceremonies uh, with a thing called San Pedro, uh, which is like a cactus, which is not like uh, most people have, uh, have probably heard of that there's different ones out there. But um, this one's probably not as popular. It's not as potent uh, as some of the other ones. Um, and um, I think ayahuasca, most people might have heard of ayahuasca, but this yeah. one's sort of a little bit lesser of an extreme. Um, and, yeah, we so this one time we hired a, um, a house on an island um, um, over at uh, just off Palm Beach there. What's that? Mackerel, Mackerel Beach or whatever it was over there. You get across there on the ferry. Have you been over yeah, there? Yeah, there's Scotland Islands over there in that part of the world. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. like that, and yeah. We, we got a house and we brought a shaman out from Colombia who's like a traditional Indigenous shaman that, that just goes around giving ceremonies. And he brought the San Pedro out and... So basically it's like the root of a cactus or it's a cactus and they shave it down and they cook it up and you basically 
you, you consume the San Pedro, you don't eat all day and you go on at like 10 o'clock at night. Um, and then like it, it comes, it's sort of like a carver. It sort of comes in about a 50 mil shot and then you have that. And then he takes you through, you know, a ceremony of, you know, self-discovery or so forth. And it's pretty confronting you to go through different emotions and, Anyway, at about one o'clock, you have another go and then you sort of go through the whole night and in the morning you sort of you get up and, you know, you've, um, you've had, a, everyone has a different experience and then you move on. So I sort of got home after my wife and I did it and the kids were at home with my parents were up at the time and um, I wasn't kind of feeling 100%. I was a little bit, uh, a little bit left of centre and, and I remember I got home and it was the middle of sort of summer and I, and I picked up the cat and... It was tick season. We sort of lived in the, and we lived in the nature reserve there in the bush. And he was always sort of picking up ticks, and I was always pulling ticks off him with these tweezers. So I picked him up this one time, and I wasn't feeling a hundred percent. I was making some pretty irrational decisions, and I went over and grabbed the tweezers, came back, and I pulled his nipple off. <laughs> yeah, I pulled the top of his nipple off. I thought it, I thought it was a tick. And <laughs> Jesus. He still had, he still hasn't forgiven me the poor bastard. Oh <laughs> um, no! If you're going to have any, if you're going to have any of those experiences, just make, make sure you're uh, stay away uh, from your cat. People, stay, stay away from the, stay away from the pets or the ticks. Far so. But I mean, there, there's some really good. You know, we've had some really good experiences doing. You know, trying different methods like that, and um, you know, I mean, they're 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 cultural things that have been happening in certain parts of the world for mm. long periods of time. So it was a, it was an honour to be able to do it a couple of times and. Um, I think it's something that you can sort of check in and, I mean, you don't do it on every week, but I think there's opportunities there. People who are ready for those sort of experiences should look them up. They're, Definitely. Yeah, they, they do They do um, really help. You even, uh, see, you even see now like the prevalence of like mushrooms being used for to help people who have got depression and stuff. And, I mean, I don't have depression, but I've certainly had mushrooms. And afterwards, I feel more clarity after like, you know, I go on the mushrooms than yeah. anything else. It's sort of, there's something that about it when you come back from it where you're like, I've done a bit of sort of like uh, mental inventory of a lot of shit that's, you know, in my life and you're able to sort of, at least for like, you're good for like a few months and then it's completely gone again. Yeah, it wears off. But yeah. once you come back, you know, I feel sharp as a tack sometimes. Mm. How like, long's the how long's the experience go for? Like after you have the drink, how long are you in that state for? And are you like are you seeing things? Um, yeah, like it's different. It's different for everyone. Like um, for me, yeah, like my fingers and toes were like yeah were, were bulbing, and yeah, there was different experiences. It was obviously it's obviously a, um, a psychedelic, so things mm. do happen. But I think it's um, the benefit of doing it in a certain way is having someone there facilitates it and then takes you through the journey with music and prayer and all that sort of stuff. Or, you know, I don't know, really know what they do, but um, yeah, but it's, it's, it's like a probably a 12 hour experience where you sort of, you sort of start around 10 and then you come out of it probably at around, yeah, around nine or 10 the next day. So it's sort of through the night on an empty stomach and um, it's pretty cool. It's good fun. Where do you personally get have uh, experiences like that? You talked earlier about, you know, some people needing to heal certain parts of themselves. What was there anything specifically that you were looking to help achieve, I think, with a not a like I, like I don't have a lot of trauma head, to be honest. Like I was pretty fortunate with all that sort of stuff. So but um, my wife was really looking to go there and have this sort of experience. So I just kind of tagged along and 
um, and was just kind of there in a supportive sort of role. So, um, but yeah, so it was just more of a, a, an experience and um, something that I was, as you guys spoke about, like just lots of clarity, you know, you get times of your life where there's, you get overwhelmed with, you know, decision-making and so forth. So, yeah, I found the same thing. I was just, uh, after I got home and tried to pull the nipple off the cat, <laughs> like the, uh, after that, I was actually, yeah, I was able to make decisions and especially it was a time in life where we were going through a fair, it was, it was a couple of years ago, so we're starting to think about, you know, moving and things like that. So just clarity of thought career-wise as well. So it was just able to, you know, it was like you'd kind of think in a different realm for that period and yeah. see things just a little bit differently sometimes from an outside perspective. It's good because, you know, sometimes you get caught up in your own head trying to make decisions and you just go round and round in circles. So, yeah, it was it, it was kind of good in, in that regard. That's for sure. What does it frustrate you um, when there are these sort of alternative medicines, for lack of a better word, like mushrooms, for example, that have such a benefit at least in my experience when it comes to things like mental clarity and seeing the world a bit differently and honing in on areas that you might need to improve or things that you need to be grateful of like does it frustrate you that you know things like that are so taboo within society still yeah i think that's sort of changing right i think we've had a really good opportunity to have a look at big farmer over the last couple of years and some of the decisions around um, that they've made and so forth and and there's other remedies out there, and these things are you know, thousands of years old, you know. And and I, and I think it's all about having those experiences in the right environment. You know, it's not like you know dropping some mushies and going to the pub or that. <laughs> I wouldn't encourage um, that either. No. The, the pokies yeah. will wig you out. I can tell yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> don't do it on. Uh, don't do it on St. Paddy's Day. <laughs> yeah. But but I really think that you know there's some people out there that need that so that need those sort of experiences and and it shouldn't be so difficult to to get that and the fact that it is difficult yeah I think especially I mean you know you need to look at some of those culturally rich countries where this part of you know that that is just a natural way of healing and they don't look at you know they're not going into the farm you know farm pharmaceutical stores and, and talking about you know getting some sort of off the shelf. Uh, remedy to fix up a certain situation i mean they're they're digging a little bit deeper and i think it's it's good that that it's it's becoming a little bit more it's 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 topical yeah it's there's more discussion around some of those things now and i think that's important for you know for for us moving forward that you know those things are possible at some point some people need help also you talk about your meditation it's funny because i was having this chat with my uh wife about meditate because she meditates all the time and around like i guess male perception of meditation and like that you know dudes who meditate are a bit more like dreadlocks barefoot stinky hippie sort of thing but obviously that's not the case and someone like yourself who is a you know a refined and modern gentleman girds if i can if oh, I can, wow. you know, if I can throw that good lord, but you know, who's able to sort of present uh, meditation in a bit more of a well, in a different light to maybe how uh, you could see it being stereotypically presented. What's the? How'd you get into meditation? And like, what's the experience there like for you? Like, what do you do twice a day? How long for? Um, yeah, I, I sort of I've probably been. I don't know, five or six years now. Um, and, and again, you know, my, my wife drove a lot of the ch these changes in my life, to be honest, because, you know, you, you don't always, you're not always aware that there's, you know, these op options out there. And, um, and yeah, we went to a, some guys up there in, in Avalon and had sort of weekend learning how to actually do it properly. 
um, which was pretty important, you know, and give you some some triggers. And I actually forget what they all are now because it's um, it becomes just kind of part of your sort of the day-to-day practice, right? So, um, and then it's just about, you know, building those routines. And like anything, you know, for me, it was not so much that I was meditating. It was the fact that I was forcing myself to do something consistently twice a day. And I think that sometimes just becomes as important as what you get out of the meditation is actually then building certain routines and that into your life because it builds discipline, right? And, mm. and I'm a guy that kind of, you know, likes to have discipline in their life. I've always lived a pretty disciplined existence. So, you know, not having any discipline, I can, you know, I get really unsettled, you know, it gives me actual sort of freedom. So I need to build things into my day that I know that, you know, they're points that I can hit. Um, I'm a little, I guess I'm a little OCD in certain elements of my life. And as opposed to trying to fight that all the time, I just, you know, understand what, what I need to do for it. And those times that I take out to meditate and train and do my own sort of programs, you know, um, it, it, what gives me that kind of freedom. Um, and, but when I'm meditating, I find that again, it's, it's a little bit like, um, if you go in with a lot on your mind, having the, having the, um, discipline to actually drop it all. And then you'd be, you know, really, um, I think you'd be really sometimes surprised at the clarity you can come out of that with if you're willing to drop it all. If you go in there and you just sit there and your mind's going a million miles an hour, you might as well just keep walking around the house doing something else, you know. But if you if you build the discipline in and you get to the point where you've been doing it enough that you can just drop everything as you go in there because you know at that point that's you, what's going to get you the best result, well, then I find that you come out and um, some of the decision-making that after that um, is yeah, it's just, it's so much easier. It's so much simpler. So it's, it's, that's, and that's another thing. Once you start, I think around, you know, fitness and routine and anything like that, once you start feeling the benefits, that's the reward, right? That's what it is. It's like, well, I want to feel like that. So therefore this is what I need to do to feel like that, whether it's eating healthy, whether it's exercise, whether it's meditation, surfing, whatever it is. And then when you're feeling really good, it's like, well, I feel great. Why do I feel great? This is why. Well, then I'm going to keep doing that. And that's the motivation for me. How long do you do it for? I usually do it between sort of sometimes half an hour morning, half hour in the afternoon. If I can, if I can, sometimes if I'm deep, I'll just sit there longer and it can take, you know, you can go for an hour. But I'm minimum sort of 20 minutes to half an hour. I don't like to do it any less than that otherwise. Or, but if I don't force it, like if I've got a lot going on and there's shit in the house and it's noisy and whatever, and I'm trying to do it and it's not happening, that I don't force it. Yeah. Same as with training, I just like acknowledge that now's not the time. I'll get back to it and move on and do something else. And 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 once you started it, how long did it take? Because again, my missus has been pushing me hard to try to do it, and I'm just like, yeah, I will, and I never do. But like, how long once you start does it actually start to work? Like, how long are you having to persevere through it? And not nothing happening. I reckon. A, I reckon a couple of months. Yeah, I don't reckon that's a quick fix. But yeah. I mean, you don't. You know, I mean, when guys think about meditation, they think about some you know long haired guy with his fingers in that sort of position, sitting on a rock, yeah. you know, with the wind blowing his hair back. Yeah. And I mean, it, it does doesn't need to be that right like yeah. i just do it in bed like i can do it out sit out on the, on the couch and do it when no one's home or whatever it may be so um but it, yeah i think it's um i think it's, it's just a couple of months worth of those battles that you have in your head to, to to quiet the noise that's the battle right and i think it's really healthy for men because we do have a lot going on up there we don't always you know have the right people around us uh 
to share that information with. So for me, being able to, you know, um, get that clarity and, and deal with some of those issues like internally during that time, is it's been enormous, mate. Some of the things that the benefits you get out of that, I can't speak highly of enough. Yeah, I would recommend anyone just try and fight through those periods. There's different stuff you can do online. There's courses you can do just to refine it. Um, and yeah, you know, you can jump out of meditation and have a beer and a, a spaghetti bolognese. I mean, it doesn't mean you need to be <laughs> vegan and you know whatever it may be. Yeah. And it just it, it is a lifestyle choice. But I think that anyone can do it. I think that guys should think, consider it because it's a it's a it's an outlet. And I don't think men have enough outlets these days. Yeah, yeah. Look, well, Ella's been pushing me on it. Has she really? Yeah, yeah. Well, there yeah. you go. It's We're all being, coming out. Now. It's all coming out now. It's all coming out. You might need um, to do a group session with you. Yeah, and I don't mind the. I don't mind angling that into a beer and a spag bowl either. It yeah. actually made me hungry. Yeah, it made me very hungry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> their house with Ryan Girdler, one of the great segments in television history. Arguably and I'm not greatest. even arguably the greatest in well greatest in footy show history. Maybe the greatest segment television's produced just ever. Like, and I am being a little bit fucking facetious, but, like, it was genuinely my favourite segment of the footy show. It was hilarious. Like, how do you... You were sort of, like, the funny guy in rugby league for a period of your career. You were the funny guy. What was that like? Do you, how do you remember that time? Um, yeah, it was... It, yeah, it was... It was an interesting period that, I mean, I, I think Matty Johns ended up coming into one of those shows and Fletch as well. And I think on the back of, I mean, their talent was always going to be you know, recognised at some point, but Matty came in as a flight attendant at one at one one show and then everyone just realised how funny Matty Johns was, you know, and, and Fletch did, a, did one of them as well. And I think then everyone got a good look at, you know, how sharp Fletch is as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they, I mean, you know, there was Fatty and... and and that, there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't Fox Tour really back then. So. You're being humble here though. Um, what about you? You were the funny guy. That's what I'm talking about. You were funny. No, you were hilarious. Like, I, I was kind of, yeah, I was, yeah, well, I mean, I just had to play this sort of the dry straight guy, right? Um, but that to me was the thing that was funniest about the way you did it. And again, I'm sorry, I just don't mm -hmm. feel passionately about this, Gerds, and I don't want you to start talking about Fletch and Maddie who are funny in their own right. But like the way that you delivered those lines in their house, that when they were the straight lines and, you know, like there was one where you jag a three-pointer and you took it at Gordy's mum's house or something and it's just like, oh, yeah, look, I come around a lot. Like there were just so <laughs> many of these lines. Did you... It was brave, huh? Yeah, well, Very. Did you come up with the... Like did you write... <laughs> Uh, were these things like scripted or written and like did you do a lot of the production around it how like how involved were you in all of it yeah so a lot of it was just making sure that we did it with guys that I had really good relationships with because mm -hmm. it was really important that I felt comfortable around just to, for us to just to you know talk shit and that and that's essentially what it was so it was a little bit of a loose format where we would we would have an idea there would always be like that reveal we would kind of discuss the production of that um simon still did it like was uh was really cool so we'd sort of come together and just work out okay what's a good reveal what's relevant to the guy that we're going to do um and then on the back of that it would just put us we would then try and build situations in where it, it would be like me you know I, I think one of the skills i had during that was to get the guy um in an environment where he didn't feel like he was on camera and he could mm -hmm. be himself and that was just by the way that i would lead him um, into the discussion and how I would break it down and make him so comfortable that then you would get those comments out of him. You know, they would loosen right up. And 
and I think that was kind of the yeah the whole um, the whole premise of the show was just to let people have a look at a couple of guys that they sort of watch playing footy just being guys and and just you know throw a couple of gags in there with it. But I think you know the whole show was around just showcasing you know the personalities and the relationships that generally people you know didn't get to see uh, because. Mm. It wasn't a 24-hour NRL Fox show with you know 25 guys on it all working full time. You know they didn't have yeah. any of that. You had yeah. you had the footy show and and that was kind of about it. So people didn't get to see and understand. Um, you know there was I think there might have only been three or four games tele- televised every week. So any chance people got at that point to have a look in behind sort of the the screen, so to speak, um, they loved it. So yeah, we really took advantage of that and. Um, yeah, came up with a couple of years of some pretty funny sort of stuff. So it was just a combination of, uh, yeah, good, really good production and I think just getting the right people on and, and then just showcasing those relationships that uh, we could break down in front of um, the audience. Were you nervous? Sorry, Eddie. Were you nervous before, like, the first one went out? Like, we, and then to have the success afterwards? Like, that must have been kind of satisfying. You're like, oh, shit, this is actually, like, really popular. Um, I don't, Mate, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't I don't think we ever – you didn't sort of get that sort of feedback that you get these days. Yeah. You know, there wasn't clips everywhere or there wasn't people, you know, talking about it or, you know, it was just something that that we did that uh, that people seemed to like. So um, I was never really nervous about it, no. You know, it, did, it just wasn't – you know, still playing at the time. So it wasn't it wasn't a career. It was just yeah. something we were doing on the side that – that seemed to work. You know, I did a fishing show there for a while as well, which was kind of an absolute disaster. <laughs> um, but, but I look at that, but I look back at that now, and I think that's probably funnier than the other one, but you know, I think we had four series of it. We went out with four different um, people and didn't catch a fish. You know, like, <laughs> it was hilarious. It was so funny. And you just put, you know, two guys and professional fishermen on a boat uh, for like five hours, don't catch a fish. And that's funny TV, right? <laughs> yeah. And that happened a few times. I'm not sure what was that called. I don't know what that was called, but we'll, it's, it's we'll there get, somewhere. We'll that, was tra- that was tragic. We, it was tragic. So um, we're going to make something work. Gone fishing. Gone fishing. That, that's probably yeah. it. Gone yeah, fishing. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Very <laughs> creative. Look at that, boys. It's tragic. <laughs> Very <laughs> creative. Really <laughs> good. Did yeah. you ever think of yourself as the funny guy at any point in your life? Or did you just find yourself in a situation where – you're on a funny show and you're saying funny things, but was that ever, <laughs> but was that ever like, did you ever see yourself as that person? Absolutely not. No, that's, it's really good the way that you put that, you know? Um, no, I've never really been a funny guy. I actually don't, don't, don't speak a lot uh, generally. So it was kind of, um, but, but even during that show for me, it was, it was less, less is more like I grew up with a really facetious brother and, my family were just always like at our, our conversations were just always banter, you know. So Christmases, I remember one Christmas, I, you know, it was <laughs> I was sort of in my early twenties and I was doing okay, I earned a bit of money, and I came down and I, I um, came down to the family Christmas, and, and my brother's a big guy, he's about 115, 120 kilos, and. Uh, um, we gave it, gave all the presents out, and we're sitting around at the dinner at the lunch table, about to have a big sort of family Christmas. And he walks out without a shirt on and sits down next to me. And I'm like, oh, "Man, what are you doing? Put a shirt on, bro." He goes, "I know. I'm just wearing the t-shirt you got me for Christmas." <laughs> oh, really? Goes, yeah, they were. 
And then we're out the back and I'm like, oh, did I forget you'd get your Christmas present? He's like, yeah, man, yeah, no, this is it. I'm wearing the shirt. It's cool, huh? And then like, just been away sitting out the back having a beer after lunch and he starts swinging this golf club. I said, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm just having a hit with that Christmas present you got me, you know, and the whole day was just, you know, coming up with different things that I didn't get in for Christmas. You know? So I, I think that was just, you know, we just continually took the piss out of each other as a, especially my brother and I and, and the old man used to jump in as well. So, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a lot of content, but it was always sort of short, sharp and, and deliberate. And I think that's where I kind of honed the, um, the, the ability to sort of do that with the boys on, uh, on the show. Yeah, right. That's funny. That's funny. Your brother sounds funny. <laughs> the, your brother yeah, sounds, sounds fucking funny. like a real character. <laughs> <laughs> your footy career, like you were, I mean, the intercept king, I believe, was the the moniker you at least had for a while there. You also had all these records across like games played, like uh, point scoring records and all that sort of stuff in origin and club games and stuff. Were you a hyper-competitive person as a young when you, were, when you were younger and, like, did that drive your success or were you just a gifted younger player? Um, I was like a – I was like a board flipper over a – Okay. Yeah, I, I yeah I was that guy. Okay. Like family, you know, yeah. I, it's really No wonder you've taken up meditation. <laughs> really competitive. Like, mm. did, did not – you know, when you've got an older brother, you know, that knows how competitive you are and doesn't he doesn't really give a shit <laughs> – and just tortures you, you know, for like years and years and years and do things like, you know, I would go out the back and he would be batting and I would bowl to him for like 40 minutes and you'd get him out once and you'd say, oh, no, you've got to get out, you know, three times. You'd get him out three times in 40 minutes and then he'd put the bat under his wing and go, that's it for me today, you know, and you'd get that. You know, shit like that, you know, and then I would like literally chase him with the stumps, you know. And, and so, yeah, just, you know, any sort of game I, I found myself like, and I, and I really have to, um, watch myself now because I've got two girls, 12 and, and and 10. And like we play a lot of chess and we play a lot of board games and so forth. And and I really – and I'll never let them win, but I, I, I really need to be <laughs> conscious of – I really need to be conscious about how competitive I am, like with in this family environment with my, you know, my wife and my two kids. It's like pull, I need to pull pull up every now and again. Well, wins um, a win, mate. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. I, I guess you could say I was I was a little bit competitive, but um, we uh, we oh, always yeah, good. I, I don't know. We always good. Like we, uh, you know what I mean. Like with you know, from a footy context, like do we always naturally no, gifted or really. do you work? Do you have to work? No, harder? I was really little. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I think I had, um, yeah, like I was never, I was never that big, and I, I only made sort of junior reps from about seventeen on. I actually, um, I actually gave up footy for a couple of years and surfed. So I surfed. I've been surfing since I was eight, and I actually, um, it got to like it when I was about thirteen or fourteen, and and started surfing instead of when the surf was good. Instead of going and playing footy, and the old man pulled me aside and said, "Mate, you need to make a decision." you know, what are you going to do? You're going to surf or you're going to play footy. And I said, I'm actually going to surf. So I, I gave team sports away for, for a year and a half. And, um, and during that time I had all my mates that were playing the local footy. So I go, mate, come back, come back. I'm like, nah, I couldn't be bothered. I'm not into it. I want to go surfing and stuff. And then um, eventually I was talking to um, one of the Illawarra sort of development 
officers that I'd known through coming up through the junior league. And he said, mate, why don't you come back? There's an opportunity for you. We're putting this academy together and you could try out for it and stuff. And I said, oh, okay, so what would that look like? And he told me that he said, we're having an open trial. So I ended up going to the open trial after not playing for a while and, and doing okay. And then I made this academy squad and then it was kind of like, oh, then I was sort of put on the path that, you know, I think I was, yeah, by that stage, it was, I was about 16. So playing under 17s or whatever. And then, yeah, I sort of followed the path of um, of junior reps and then took it a bit more serious and and still sort of tried to surf as much as I could. But then sort of it was a really, it was like um, really quick, quick rise and we won the SG ball, which was, we had a really good side. And then, um, and then I was put into like under 21s at like 17, 18. And that was a bit of an experience for a guy that was probably about 68 kilos. Um, and then you went straight from sort of, a year of that at, at eight at 17 18 straight into first grade then at like you know 18 and a half so those three years were just fully uh, intense from basically not playing the game to having three years of um yeah in the elevator and was, straight up to the top floor and do your best was surfing actually something you were like considering pursuing or you were just like i don't want to play footy i'm just going to hang out and surf um you know, I, I had um, I had a couple of local sponsors and so forth when oh, I was that shit. age, and I was in I was in I was in board riders and stuff. So yeah, you know, I was going okay. I lived I lived like about eight hundred meters away from sort of North Wollongong Beach, and I was there every day, like every day for like six or seven hours. So get three sessions in. So um, so yeah, I, I I wasn't considering it as a you know, as a profession, but um, but I was definitely um, I was definitely doing it right, winning some local competitions and so forth, and starting to do a little bit of travelling that with it, um, and really and just really enjoyed it. Yeah. Did you idolise any of the guys back then, like Oki or anyone, or was it just you just like going out? Oki. Yeah, no, I love. I'm good. Well, did, when did he win? He went like ninety nine, I think. Like ninety nine. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. yeah. Did you have him up yeah, on the like wall? Early. Did you? Did you dare to dream? Yeah, like, but surfing wasn't like I mean. Surfing wasn't a big thing back then, right? Like it, it just sort of, so it wasn't it wasn't like, like this underground movement in the early like I'm talking about late eighties, right? When I was sort of surfing and I started back in um, I was playing Steelers first grade in ninety one, so it was yeah, sort right, of late eighties right, right. when yeah. so you know there was just the local guys that you would idolise, the local guys that would just rip and own that sort of that 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 local break. There wasn't really an international flavor for surfing or so forth. And there was no media around it. So you didn't even really know who was surfing, but in the nineties and that obviously when Oki and Kelly and all those sort of guys came into the scene, it became a little bit more mainstream. It was a bit easier to follow, but mm. back in the late eighties and that it was just um, all your local guys that were, you were trying not to, um, not to drop in on and get beat up by really. You they said that heroes. to me. I, I talked to you once about it a couple of years ago and I was like, oh, I'm thinking of having a crack at surfing and years went, it's too late. <laughs> Don't do it. You, just, you said something about like, I was just going to piss too many people off on the waves. Oh, you, <laughs> you personally. Me trying to learn. He was yeah. like, no, just don't. Just uh, and you know what? I haven't. I haven't yeah. gone near a surfboard. Yeah, you, you, don't, you don't forget advice like that. You've missed the boat, Tom. You've missed the boat. I'm too big to get. You'll never enjoy it, mate. It'll frustrate you for the rest of your life. I tried once and I got the like I got like golf. nipple rash straight away and I went, I don't know if this is for yeah, me. There you go. That's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> do you watch it? Do you watch any of the, the WSL? Yeah, I do. I do, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I watch a little bit of it. I mean, the aerial side of things, I'm a little bit more old school. I like the guy, I like big calves and big turns and so forth. So some waves, like some some contests I'll watch, but some of the ones that 
you know, that it's small where there's these ramps and guys that and I, I appreciate, you know, their athleticism and their ability to do it. It'd be bloody hard, but yeah, I'm a bit more old school. I like, you know, big turns and so forth. So you don't see a lot of that sort of surfing anymore, but when that comes on or, um, there's a couple of guys, a guy called Tyron Martin. He's got an amazing style. So I'll, he puts out videos every now and again. So I watch a fair bit of their stuff. Yeah, I like that. Well, they've made the finals are coming up soon. There's two Aussies in it. So you'll have to tune in, support the boys. Ethan Ewan and Jack Robinson. So, Yeah, exactly right. I mean, didn't they, they made that final. In, where was the last final that they, they surfed off in? Uh, it's always a trestle. They've started. The, oh, no, that was at um, okay. Chopu. That was. Did, did, no, didn't they do? Didn't those two? Was it J Bay that they surfed in that final? Didn't, oh, didn't yeah, it was. It was J Bay. It was J Bay. Ethan Ewing yeah, won yeah. at J Bay. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're killing it. Yeah, they're going real well. Amazing. Now, so Trestle's not on at the moment, is it? Well, it's, I think it's on next week. So hopefully, Australia okay, can get yeah, another cool. win because we need to go back to where we belong at the top. Is, we're at the tippy yeah, top, top. Yeah. At the tippy top, that's where we belong. Yeah. Always have. Who's so? Who's who's on? Is, is Robinson up there at the moment? Is he? Yeah, he finished oh. second, so he's there. Toledo, Ethan Ewing, Connor. Okay. Uh, who's leading at the moment? Toledo. Toledo, yeah. But they do this okay. new staggered sort of final system. So fifth. No, I don't understand it. Yeah. yeah, fifth serves against fourth, and the winner serves against third, and the winner serves against second, and the winner serves yeah, against the first. Right, yeah, yeah. What's that all about? I don't know, mate. I think it's like to essentially create a grand final for surfing as yeah, opposed gotcha. to like, right. a, you know, EPL style win over the season. First pass of the post. Yeah, first pass for the post. Well, you know a lot yeah, about that, yeah. mate. You know, winning the grand final yeah. as opposed to winning the minor premiership. That sort of thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How was... Um, I'm, a massive, I'm a massive Premier League fan. Yeah, yeah. I, I was love about the to Premier say. League. Are you Tottenham or are you... Unreal. Tottenham? Was like, no, please. No, mate. No, I'm <laughs> Oh, oh that's so God. offensive. <laughs> oh, I'm not an EPL guy, so I don't know what I've just oh, done. Oh, mate. Okay. Oh, dear. Goodness. They're going all right, the yeah. Gunners? Yeah, it's been a good start to the season. I saw that show, um, All or Nothing, the other week, watching um, yeah, Arteta sort of hone his craft there as a young manager. So I think he's um, yeah, he's got some good systems in place. I think he might do pretty well. He might be a long-term solution for us. Has it been a long time between uh, celebratory drinks for Arsenal? Am I correct in saying that? From a Premier League oh, perspective. Yeah, from yeah. a Premier oh, League like perspective. 20, yeah. Twenty years. Yeah, okay, right. Right. Yeah, long time. Yeah, Sorry. Long time. But I mean they've had some some joy along the way, but um, but haven't been haven't been in um, in the Champions League now for about six years. Right. I think you know, weren't in Europa last year at all. So at least now, you know, we're back in Europa this year and we've had a good start to the to the league. So We've got, we've got a good squad. We're like a development club. So we've got some really good talent coming through and he's sort of balanced it out with some good experience and some some guys in there that just want to play. So we've got a little bit of an, you know, an attitude about us at the moment. So hopefully we can maintain that. It's It seems like, I mean, my I don't mind, like I'll watch the odd game here or there if there's something really on the line, but I just personally am not super into soccer. Is have you always been into that? Like, is that is that something you found later in life? It's it's so vastly different to rugby league from an entertainment perspective for me that I'm just like I find it difficult. Yeah. No, we we went over there and got um, we're on a on a tour over there and got taken to a game and end up going to an Arsenal game um, and sitting sort of behind the benches in I think it was ninety or two thousand I don't know which year it was um, and they had a cracking squad but it was basically just heard all the you know when you're in England um, you know you hear the noise and you understand okay so what's all this all about so um, we did, I don't I don't I think they might have televised it in Australia like on 
on Sky once a week or something. So you didn't get a lot of, uh, you weren't exposed to it over here. So when you get there, you, you go to the game, you get the whole experience. And they sat us at Highbury behind the Arsenal sort of dugout about six or seven rows back. And um, and there were, I think there was about six or seven of us that went and they gave us Arsenal scars. And we watched them beat, I think it was West Ham, like 4-1 and put on this clinic. And then everyone was singing. And it was, I walked out and went, right, that's a sporting experience. You know, whatever these guys are doing. Like, I didn't understand the game there, um, like tactically. Uh, and then I thought, I'm just going to learn about and understand this because I want what these guys have, you know, this is nuts that what they gave their fans that day. Like, mm. um, and yeah, then went back and really started watching the game and got to spend some time with Graham Arnold and used to, you know, he'd come over to do goal kicking coaching with me out there at Penrith in the, in the late nineties, early two thousands. And I would just talk his ears off about the Premier League, <laughs> just suck him full of information, <laughs> give him the rundown. So we'd be, I'd be goal kicking. We wouldn't be talking about how I was hitting him. We'd be talking about, you know, what happened on the weekend in the Premier League or different, you know, um, you know, tactics and styles and because he was obviously coaching that at the time. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I got to experience that firsthand. And ever since that, it was like, I'm an Arsenal fan. That's it. You know, so I've been on board since, you know, late 90s. And, yeah, we had some nice moments there in the early 2000s, but, yeah, it's been a, a few drink far and drinks have been. Yeah, a long time since shot. the Invincibles, that's for sure. Long time, mate. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I'm fucking completely out of the loop. That's here, all right, mate. Sorry, that's guys. okay. I can't help you there. That's um, okay. You don't strike me as a man who has a like a memorabilia room. Do you have one? <laughs> you know, for all your for all your jerseys and all that sort of <laughs> no. shit. For your ring? No, I, I don't. I've got I've got the ring. Uh, I've got the grand final ring up here in a safe somewhere, but. Yeah, the memorabilia and, and stuff is um, yeah, no, it's no, I don't have I have a lot of good memories and I've got some bags down there with some pretty cool shit in it. But um, yeah, that's I don't know what I'll ever do. But I was actually um, had some friends over and we were calling the the origin this year. I was down in um, in Sydney and we had some friends around and um, they were obviously Queenslanders there, uh, the girls' friends from up here that made recently, and so I've got. Got the girls to go down and open up the bags and pull out some authentic jerseys and roll around in them when they came. So got some joy out of that for them. You know they enjoyed that. But other than that, it's, um, they they just sort of sit down there and gather gather a little bit of dust. Do you ever um do you ever whip out the ring and just sort of like reflect on the grand final? Like it seems like that you know. And I mean, obviously it was a long time ago, but just like another life. Are you a different guy from then? Do you think back to those days and like the grand final specifically and what that was all like? I think because I'm so involved in the game now, Tommy, you know, like it, it's just always there. Mm. So especially when you're leading up to the week and same as with Origin or, or big games, I think because you're, um, I'm so invested now as a broadcaster that yeah, you can't help but think about how you were in those situations or then you, and it gives you a little bit of a different perspective too because when you're kind of doing it, you just think, oh, that's cool, that's that's been done now and you kind of move on. But when you get, you know, um, to see it from, you know, a, as supporters or a commentator's perspective and you see him go through um, these different stages to get to that certain that certain part of their career or whatever, you kind of really get to appreciate it and then think about, oh, well, I did that. I was able to do that as well. You see how hard it is for them and you kind of think that it just sort of happened for you. But then sometimes you get to look back and go, man, you know, I worked pretty hard to get that and I'm really proud of what I actually did because when you're doing it, it just seems like, you know, that's what you that's what you need to be doing. So you get to reflect a lot 
you know, still been in the industry, especially around those, you know, seasons at the back at the season at the back end of the year and origin time and that. So I always wear the ring when we call the grand final and get it out for one day a year and wear it wear it down to grand final day. And that kind of seems like the time to wear it and, mm. and put it away again for till next year. What do you think about blokes who like rocket just because, as you say, it's grand final days of the day, but there are some dudes you see getting around where it's like just a fucking Wednesday and they're rocking their grand final ring. You're like, yeah, oh, no. mate, whatever, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Like, <laughs> makes you happy. Get it out, get it out there. Yeah, yeah. Show it off. Show it Do you find yeah, yourself ever missing the game and those moments and, you know, the competition and the atmosphere and all that sort of thing? Or is that just, you know, that was another life? Um, no, I think I, I find myself uh, doing that quite regularly, to be honest. Yeah, really being envious of those situations that those guys are in, like those, um, you know, that those origin sides when they're named and, the, and I see, I get to see those guys going in for the medical, man, I, I, I'm so envious. Yeah. I'm so envious. It's like I just want that to be me in that car going in to get that medical to have that 10 days, you know, that the whole of it, the, the experience, whether it's, you know, in front of 80,000 at, at, um, in New South Wales or, you know, in front of 60,000 at Suncorp, regardless of that. But that whole week, you know, getting to you meet those guys, go through that medical, prepare for that game, put yourself in that situation. I actually think, you know, mentally I would be in a lot better position to handle those situations, not physically now, but mentally now. And I, I think to myself, I just wish I had the clarity I had now um, to take, you know, the armour that I've built over the last, you know, 10 or so years of doing other things, you know, running businesses and having families and so forth and a bit more perspective and think, uh, I think I'm mentally a lot more prepared to handle situation like that now than when I was when I was in my twenties. Mm-hmm. And I honestly don't know how I did it. I, I, I honestly think to myself, I just wasn't like mature enough at that age to really understand. I think, I think the only reason I got through all those at that stage of my career was because I really didn't understand um, and I was so naive and I just did what I've always done. But I, I, I mentally must have – I don't think I really checked in and, and, and really understood all those different situations when I was at that part of my career because I wasn't mentally mature enough. Mm. So I, I actually just think now if I was able to physically do it, I think I would be a much better professional athlete or, or anything um, but unfortunately, I'm 50. <laughs> Are you 50 now? No, I'm 50 in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Mate, you're looking good for 50. Yeah. You're looking good. Yeah, I would have yeah. said early 40s, just like yeah. off a vibe. Yeah, oh, 42, you, 41. No, 72, 72. Yeah. So yeah, oh, 72. I'll, be, uh, I'll be 50 in a couple of weeks. So, But, yeah, I I, I do. I, I, I miss it, mate. I, I miss the challenge. I miss so many different – I actually miss um, – I, I, I say to my wife, you know, I, I think about – the areas that I, I could have been better when I was playing, and and I and I'm not sure I was aware of them then, but I'm aware of them now. And it's like if I would have done this, if I would have done this, if I would have done this, like what areas? Would have done think? this because I mean you you, you know I, you reach the highest level. So like what's I, the areas? I, yeah, I, I didn't see the value, and and it was kind of a it was in the in the industry. It wasn't just kind of me, but I, I was a little bit. I relied on like anticipation and natural ability. I did rely on that a lot. I worked really hard when I got to maybe 28 when I realised that I needed to work hard to, to stay where I was. But from I reckon from 19 to 28, like weights were like optional for me. As I said before, I didn't watch a lot of the game. I wasn't really that interested in learning about 
footy. I loved playing. I liked the boys, but I wasn't as invested as as I could have been. And I think if I would have been a little bit more invested, or I, I call it maturity, as I said before, I'm a lot more mature now, and I would approach professional sport differently than what I actually did in your 20s. And I think most guys are like that, right? But you see some guys that are really emotionally and mentally mature at that age that have that really that sort of dominant, uh, that dominance and and in that mentality. Here's my cat, George. Hey, right. George. Hey, Old seven George. nipples, George. <laughs> yeah, there's George. He's, he's just started talking to me again after about eight years. So, Did we yeah. get the nipple reattached or is he is he a nipple down? Um, no, it was just, it was just, it was just, it was just in there something. Um, no, it was just, a, I just, it was just the top of it. It was just like the, the top yeah. part. It wasn't yeah. the full nipple. Well, that's the most important yeah. part of the nipple, right? right? The nipple part. Yeah. Well, he wasn't using it for anything I figured, so. <laughs> he's a nipple down. Yeah, he's, he's a, a nipple, nipple down. Serious. And it's, and he's a head. He's, so. Yeah. 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 The, the interesting thing is he's too, got right? a, he's. <laughs> He's got a uh, he's got a ring in the other one, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, he, he likes to be different. Yeah. So, uh, but, well, um, the alternative lifestyle's rubbing off on him. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, so um, yeah, so yeah, lots of. Um, I, I guess not not. Um, I try not to call them regrets, but I guess you know different parts of your life you go through, and you, you kind of wish that you could maybe change things a little bit. I, I would have liked to see what I actually could have achieved if, if I would have been a little bit, um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say dedicated because you know, I was super dedicated training and that wise, but I don't know, just, I, I guess mature is the word for it. Mm. You know? It's interesting though, because you, like I could understand someone who, you know, didn't play New South Wales or Australia who, who you know, had that sort of, maybe came out of a career having that feeling, but because you were able to do all of those things and achieve all those things, what was it? It's like 10 games for Australia, similar amount for New South Wales, like one grand finals. I guess it's an interesting insight to hear you say that because it's like you actually were able to do all the things that a lot of most players don't actually get to do. Was But is there like, and again, like you've explained. It should it. have been more, Tommy, yeah, right, if, if like, right. you know, without trying to, you know, um, Sound for both, like it, yeah, yeah. It should have been du- it should have been double that, mate. Right, you okay. know, it, it really should have been. Yeah, I should have had a, a you know, yeah. I, I think I should have done a, a lot more in the game because I had the, I think I had the ability to, but I don't think it, when I was young I had the mindset to do it. Mm. Did you? And was there is there a game from your memory like outside of a grand final, obviously, when you, but where you were like the most dominant game you've ever had that you can remember? You're like, holy shit, I was really on there. Um, look, there was. I think um, I think there was the the final series in 03. Um, yeah, grand final I got injured in, but I, th- I think in the lead up to there was probably four or five games in the lead up to uh, to that grand final where um, yeah I, I I just knew what was at stake. I knew that was kind of my only chance, and and I just went into a, like a totally different headspace. And I think um, yeah the there was three or four games like the the prelim final. We 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 were minor premier, so we we won our first semi final against the Broncos, and then a couple of games just before that where, yeah, I, I was probably as dominant in mm. that stage of, and I and I was pretty old then too, like I was thirty one, but I had this stage where I was um, yeah I was top of my game and making sure that we were going to get into the grand final. And then do the damn thing. 
yeah, there was, yeah, I just wasn't having it any other way. Yeah. And, and I wish I would have been a little bit more like that. Punish dribblers. That is where we end the chat with Ryan Girdler. Abruptly, I know, unfortunately, the technological gods took a steamy shit on all of us. They did, Tom. They wanted to remind us, the punter and the dribbler, of our standing in the world. Mm. However, Ryan Girdler, one of the greats all time. One of the all-time greats. We thank him very much for his time. We also, unfortunately, didn't capture this, but he... Gave a full and heartfelt and sincere apology for everything he has said about Manly. To it was all class. all class. All class. He took it all back. He said, we're not flat track bullies. We're actually really good. And he's got high hopes for us. 2023. He said he was lost at the time. He, he didn't know himself. Um, and he said that Manly Seagulls as a club, in his estimation, is the greatest club to have ever walked the earth. All sports, all creeds, all parts. Yeah. He said that as a man... He has no regrets, except for two things. Do you know what they were? Mm. His comments about Manly, yeah. and having never had the honour of donning the maroon and white and playing for him. Correct. He also said that the happiest day of his life was not his wedding day, not the birth of his two children, but when he apologised mm. for what he did yeah. to the Manly Seagulls. Well, it was a weight off his shoulders. It was said. a weight off his shoulders. He said that he's never... The air's never been crisper. Yep. It's never tasted as good. The sun's never shone as bright. Yeah, as bright. Um, so that was nice to get that from Gerd. Yeah, it meant and a listen, lot. understandably, there's probably some naysayers out there, some dads that go, bullshit, he never said that. No, he did. To that I say, have a little faith. Yeah, have a little faith. Unfortunately, the technology gods, they missed out on it. You missed out on it, but it was a moment between the, just three men. In fact, to be honest, it's sort of nice that it was private yeah. between three proud men. Three proud, virile men with great heads of hair. Yeah, virile. Some greying more than others. Well, two grey, one as fucking brown as a berry, just, just punching above his weight. Shaved it all off because he doesn't give a fuck, but it's still brown, it's still true. And well, it's still shaved it all off because he was feeling a little thick. Well, it certainly has shaved kilos off of my appearance. So to Ryan, we say adieu. Adieu. Thank you for your time. Ryan Girdler, one of the all-time greats. Ryan Girdler. Ryan Girdler. Ryan Girdler. Ryan Girdler. Fucking Ryan Girdler. Fucking Ryan Girdler. Fucking Ryan Girdler. Fucking Ryan Girdler. Ryan Girdler. Fucking Ryan Girdler. One of the greats, Ryan Gill. Ryan Gill. Could you two just not talk anymore?